Drizzly weather couldn't dampen our spirits during a whirlwind three days in Amsterdam. With its whizzing bikes, world-famous museums, romantic canals, public art and historic sites, we bring you some of the best it has to offer. Welcome back to Finding Gina Marie, where we share our lives with full-time travelers and the connections we make along the way. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Judy. And I'm Kevin. Amsterdam has been on my bucket list for a variety of reasons for at least the last decade, partially because of my love for impressionists and also post-impressionist artists like Van Gogh. As full-time travelers, we really want to check off Amsterdam as one of our key places to visit, but it's a very expensive place and we didn't think we could go there for a full month. So we intended to squeeze it in between Scotland and France. Unfortunately, that couldn't work out. Kevin's birthday just didn't make the timing work very easily. So we kind of even talked about maybe we could squeeze it in when, when we were in France and maybe not see Amsterdam, but at least see some of the places that Van Gogh did a lot of his painting. But that didn't work out either. <laughs> So we made the decision that since we were going to be in Vienna, it wasn't that big of a lift for us to just jet to Amsterdam for three days. I went ahead and redeemed a bunch of hotel points so that we didn't have to incur the cost of accommodations, which for us is often one of the most expensive things that we have to pay for. Definitely. So big win for collecting all the points. <laughs> so to make this trip even easier, we left the majority of our luggage in Vienna and just took backpacks on this three-day jam-packed trip to Amsterdam. It's also known as the Vienna of the North. So stay tuned for everything we did, whether the city lived up to our expectations and how we paid for it all. So for our first impressions, Amsterdam has 1,600 canals and is a city built on tolerance, every bit as much as it's built on bridges. There are 178 nationalities here. And as for bridges, there are eight that are wooden and 79 public ferries to take you across the water where there are no bridges. We stayed in a hotel, but an Airbnb also has houseboats so you can rent. We'll talk more about this later, but when I talk about Amsterdam has a bike culture that is to the tune of 800,000 bikes, which means it has more bicycles than people. And you really need to look both ways when you are crossing the street and do it at the zebras because there is a tremendous amount of bike traffic to navigate. So it's not the cars you look out for, it's the bikes. I mean, you look out for both, but sure. definitely you have to be aware of bikes. We also appreciated the tram system inside the city. I purchased a 72 hour pass that gave us access to all the subways and trams. And it was a great time saver since a lot of things are spread out. It also rained a lot yeah. and it was convenient to duck out of the weather using the underground system. We were surprised when visiting in mid-July that it was as cold and wet as it was. Dam Square is the city's main square. Note the iconic Royal Palace and National Monument, a white stone obelisk that memorializes the victims of World War II. The square also is an ideal meeting point if your group is spread out, or if you're like us, meeting some local friends for dinner. All the currency here is in euros, but it's really easy to pay with uh, without money. You can tap to pay almost everywhere. You still need to pay. Well, <laughs> they want your money. Yeah. <laughs> and the primary languages are Dutch and German, and there's plenty of English spoken, so you shouldn't have any problem with that either. Amsterdam has a convenient train system in underground. We took the train from Schiphol Airport to Zoot Station, and then the M52 Metro train to the Depip Station near our hotel. The airport train also continues on to the city center if you're staying in that area. Although we had to transfer trains once, it was very straightforward and convenient. Why take a taxi when it's less than 20 minutes and significantly cheaper by train? 
When we were waiting for the train to arrive, we were surprised by the landscape. There were several buildings, each with a very different appearance. After checking into our hotel, we had a blast walking through and eating through the Albert Kuyp Market. It's a bunch of street food which originated in 1905. So a waffle, but with Nutella instead of caramel. Fresh made, quite hot. But so rich and delicious. <laughs> Yummy. We're getting all this food from a street vendor set up right near our hotel. So it's been very convenient. So what do you have there? I have a Chinese pancake with uh, egg, cheese, uh, spinach, and something else. Potatoes. And it's very hot and pretty big. Smells good. <laughs> I haven't got down to the good stuff yet. Now that we had full bellies, we hiked over to the Jewish Quarter for an Anne Frank guided walking tour of the area. Anne Frank's house wasn't part of this tour, but we'll talk about that later. Perhaps one of the most powerful parts of the tour was visiting the Holocaust Monument, which is built of bricks that each contain the name of more than 102,000 people from the Netherlands who were murdered during the Holocaust. It was a fitting companion tour after just leaving Krakow and visiting Auschwitz. For dinner, we met up with two friends, Marga and Diedrich, at the Pancake Bakery. They had the most interesting pancakes I have ever seen. I didn't realize this before arriving, but Amsterdam has a huge pancake culture. <laughs> Although it's not exactly pancakes like American pancakes, it's more crepes. They have both sweet and savory, and it was awesome. We enjoyed this food so much that we returned a second time. My favorite was the unusual Thai pancake filled with fried chicken filet and a spicy Thai red curry with veggies and bamboo shoots served with prawn crackers and a vegetable salad. Make sure you're hungry. These things are not small. Bright and early on day two, we headed to the Van Gogh Museum. Be sure you buy tickets as far in advance as possible because it was sold out before we even arrived to stand in line. We visited in July and tickets were sold out for a month beforehand. This was one of those places where I was really happy that I had booked in advance and not waited until we got into the city to make my reservations. If you love Van Gogh as much as me, I promise you that this museum did not disappoint. A few points that were covered in the audio guide included the dark colors in Vincent's early works like the potato eaters that represent the earth. There's dignity and beauty, and he speaks of manual labor and how they earned their food. What makes Van Gogh so unique is he's searching for a new way to paint to express deep emotions. The sunflowers included some blooms that are dying. He found beauty in the rundown, rough and worn, just like in real life. He removes all shadows from the bedroom, a technique he learned from Japanese printmaking. And he shows us the inner truth of his subjects, using color as the main way to express character. Vincent painted over 900 paintings in 10 years. And 74 in his last 70 days. And this collection has 50 of them. Here you can find Van Gogh's paintings, drawings, and letters. We were super fortunate that we were able to catch a special exhibit of Vincent's last days. And there was a private tour of that exhibit for only an additional five euro a piece. It was so well worth it. Truly, this museum lived up to every hope and dream that we had for it. We'll link below to learn more about Van Gogh's paintings. One of the things that really excited us about Amsterdam is the bike culture. So naturally we booked a city bike tour as early as we could. 
Unfortunately, our guide on this tour wasn't one of our favorites, but it was cool to see the city from this vantage point. We got to ride around all over and that really was an enjoyable highlight of our trip. I knew the city was full of bikes, but it's not what we expected at all. Bikes rule the streets. They're parked everywhere and as far as the eye could see. And when they're not parked as a pedestrian, you need to be very careful about where you walk because bikes will knock you over if you're not careful. Afterwards, we stopped at Cafe Binnenbuten, which was a great place to try some local bar food like Bitterballen. It's a beef stew thickened with a roux and then deep fried. It's named as basically an appetizer to go with bitters, meaning alcoholic beverages. On day three, we really wanted to see the annex where Anne Frank and her family lived. If this is important for you to see as well, you need to make reservations at least a month or even six weeks in advance for it. There were people who were on our walking tour earlier in the week who missed out because they didn't make reservations early enough. And I think they may have even tried a month before. Yeah, you just got really lucky with that too. It takes a little over an hour to walk through and see it all. And there's no filming inside, so we don't have any footage of it, but it's very well done. It's cool because you get a free headset and you only have to tag your device close to a button on the wall and you get insights into everything you're seeing. So basically it was easy just to walk around, stop at every uh, information point and just listen to the great information they were giving. We'll include a link that will give you a virtual tour of the secret annex. So if you can't see it in person, this is the next best thing. If you're familiar with the story of Anne Frank, you'll know that her entire family perished in the Holocaust, except for her father, who came back and was looking for family and learned later that no one had survived. So all of the furniture that had been in the annex was moved out by the Nazis, and he refused to put anything back. You can see on the walls all of the photographs that they had stuck to it to kind of give it a family feel. There were games that she brought with her that were given to her from friends. And the exceptional part about this tour was you get to follow their footsteps, like the hidden bookcase and how they had to go into different rooms through these tiny twisting uh, stairways. Also, there's video that you get to watch, interviews and other things that really bring it all to life. It was a powerful experience and I think we both highly recommend it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you need to go see this, but plan ahead. In the afternoon on the way to the Rijksmuseum, there was an outdoor exhibit for Pride Week. One of the displays included the Zero Flags Project, which spotlighted how homosexuality is in the criminal code in 66 countries. And that in 11 of these countries, the penalty for homosexuality is death. There's also a long series of photos of people who have been oppressed or imprisoned over the years for being gay. We have a link to the Zero Flags Project in the description below. The Rijksmuseum is one of the preeminent museums in Amsterdam. We took a guided tour of it using guides who were on staff, and then afterwards, we also explored more on our own. And that was available at a very nominal cost. One of Van Gogh's 27 self-portraits is here, and it's done on cardboard, which is a pretty big deal because moisture will destroy the painting if it's not done on canvas or a more solid surface. A few people on our tour were especially excited about the dollhouses, which cost as much as a real house. Painters painted the miniature artwork. They contained real porcelain and sterling silver. It's high quality handcraft work. The main attraction of this museum is Rembrandt's The Night Watch. But it turns out that oil paints crack as a result of sound. And this artwork is being studied regarding how to minimize the cracks. There are cushions in the back of the painting to prevent vibrations. 
Unlike Van Gogh, who tried to capture emotions through color, Rembrandt didn't paint emotions. He wanted people to look longer at his paintings, but he also felt that since people often try to keep a brave face and hide their emotions, he tried to reflect that. He also didn't try to Photoshop his subjects. He wasn't afraid to show every blemish, wrinkle on their face without any effort to smooth over their features. Despite that, everyone wanted to have their portraits done by Rembrandt. He was a famous painter. <laughs> The next day we were leaving to go to the airport, but our flight was late enough that we had time to squeeze in the Rembrandt House Museum. It was not something that we had planned to book and we were fortunately able to just get tickets when we walked up to the door. It's the home where he lived in the 1600s that's turned into a museum. It also served as a studio and where he sold his paintings. He also made sure that he taught in this place so he could make some money off of his students as well. And although Rembrandt was successful and wealthy in his lifetime, he overspent and was forced to sell the home and declare bankruptcy. The win for us is that the house is restored into a museum and because of the bankruptcy, his house required a full inventory, which made it easy to restore it to a museum. This isn't really a place where there's a ton of Rembrandt's art, but there are a few pieces and quite a few of his etchings. A more significant amount of his works are in the Rijksmuseum, but this is still a place worth seeing. The house has several floors and each one has many interesting things to see. There also are two cool hands-on demonstrations. There's one where the instructor teaches how Rembrandt mixes paints out of powdered resins. And one is now I have proof to my wife that I actually worked today. <laughs> and another was an etching demonstration with the steps of the etching process included. When we were there in mid-July, there was a special exhibit of the various different types of love that Rembrandt explored. Outside of Rembrandt's art, it was interesting to see how he lived, the artwork he enjoyed, and even the cool box beds that he and his wife slept in, which required you to sleep upright. I guess they were afraid if they laid down flat, they would suffocate. <laughs> So just before we talk to you about prices, we're excited to share that we've started our own absolutely free community forum that we are calling La Familia. You can ask questions about trip planning and all things related to travel there. We're also giving you a chance to peek behind the scenes and are offering a bunch of other perks we're calling gelato levels if you decide you want to help support us financially as well. A video with the details is linked in the description below. All right, let's go through the costs of some of the things we paid for while in Amsterdam. We stayed at the Sir Albert Hotel, a Marriott hotel that we could afford by using a bunch of points. Full price would have been about $888 for three nights, but we paid zero plus 111,000 points. Our flight on KLM was $510.88, round trip for both of us. Our train tickets to and from the airport were six euro a piece. We ordered 72 hour passes for the Metro costing 42 euro. The guided walking tour through the Jewish quarter was $34 and 58 cents a piece. The Van Gogh Museum tickets were 20 euro per person. And as of January 1st, 2024, they're gonna go up to 22 euro. Anne Frank House Museum cost us each 16 euro. Entry to the Rijksmuseum was 45 euro for us both. And then an extra five euro piece for the guided tour, the best of the Rijksmuseum. Rembrandt House was 17 euro 50 a piece. Our visit to the Pancake Bakery cost us between 13 euro and 15 euro a piece. We had ramen noodles one night at Takumi, and that was 17 euro 20 a piece. At Cafe Binten Buten, we had bitter ballen and fried chicken wings for eight euros a piece. Cappuccinos for six euro 40 for both of us. So we had high expectations for Amsterdam. It was one of those cities that we were really looking forward to seeing. What do you think about it? Did it meet our expectations? 100%. 
absolutely loved it. It was colder than I maybe would have liked it to be, but that gave me a sense of living like a local because that's really what the weather is like there most of the time, yeah. either rainy and cold, so. I was impressed by the food culture. I was impressed by the, the biking in the city. I was impressed by just the walking around and the amount of things we got to see and also the cool little details of architecture that we learned while we were in that city. I was a little intimidated by the bike culture. I just really have never seen that many bikes and you really do need to be careful. But I also think it's cool because we definitely prefer bicycles to uh, vehicle cars. cars. Yeah, yeah. So this was a nice surprise. And what they said is the drivers of the cars are also bicyclists, so they really pay attention to the bikes. And it just works out really well. You just have to know that when people are going, they're going like they were going somewhere in a car. It's not just so, a casual bike ride. So look both ways. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is one city that we really need to schedule to go back to, even though it's a little more expensive. I think it's worthwhile to spend more than four days there. Yeah, there's a lot more to see than the main city center where we were and it definitely was worth visiting again. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll subscribe if you aren't already. And check out findgenery.com. We've got a lot of good content there, plus our La Familia. Why don't you check it out? And consider sharing our channel with your friends. We would love to expand our community. Until next time. Until next time.